0: Welcome to the Redeemed Vision Podcast, where we bring sight to the blind and freedom to those enslaved by our pornified culture. Here, we dive into hard but important topics such as pornography, sexual identity, true freedom, real love, and living marriage well. Go deep with us as we uncover what Redeemed Vision means for each of us living in the world today. Come to know yourself, the power of redemption through Jesus Christ, the joy of laughter, and how to live in gratitude and wonder. This is Redeemed Vision.
1: I want to welcome you to the Redeemed Vision Podcast. I'm Steve Bacorny, your host of this edition of the, the Redeemed Vision Podcast. It's an honor to have you here. We're going to be entering into some pretty substantial topics today. But before that, let's begin with a prayer. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We praise you for your gift of life and love, the gift of our bodies and sexuality the gift of this time to gather today to be able to enter in to what your plan is for our lives to be able to discuss some difficulties that are occurring in life and to come together to search the ages for wisdom for you O Lord are with us you are guiding us to where you need us to be so may we trust in that promise. May we turn this over to our blessed Mother to guide us to the heart of Jesus Christ. Hail Mary, full of grace. The Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Saint Joseph, terror of demons, pray for us. In the, name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. So I want you to imagine you're walking along. Walking along the road and it's hot and the uh, the sun's beating down on you and you do anything to quench this thirst that has arisen in you. And so what do you do? Well, you start looking around for a way to quench this thirst. You see actually near you, this big vat of liquid in the neighbor's yard. So you, you hop the fence on that road you are walking and you dive into that, that vat you start guzzling, guzzling, guzzling. You feel pretty good. You do a couple backstrokes, but then you realize there's a funky smell going on. And You don't feel so good. So you pull yourself out of that vat and you look on the side here and realize it's a septic tank. Now for you, my dear listeners who are hearing this, hopefully you didn't just choke down a meal because it's a pretty, pretty livid image here. Because if you were to drink from a septic tank, what would happen? Well, you'd get sick. And if you kept drinking from that, what would happen? You would die. And what we'd like to say here on the Redeemed Vision podcast, that this is an image of our culture. We see this in many ways, many places, and it's affecting all of us, whether we know it or not. And the septic tanks, unlike a if you know any, anything about a septic tank, right, septic tank for those who are completely unaware or oblivious, that's where the poo goes, pardon the language. And this here is something that, um, you know, obviously on a physical level would do damage to us. But even more, there are septic tanks that are not underground anymore, but they're in our faces, in our movies, our television shows, our magazines, um, the stuff we see online It's all around us. And in fact, we have normalized the septic tank vision. And in fact, today there's a pandemic going on. And I hate to break it to you that masks don't work, that social distancing actually makes it worse, that there's no vaccine for this, that the separation that we've been having from our older generation, those of our grandparents, of quote unquote trying to protect them, that actually is inhibiting the healing that we need, that they need. And what is this pandemic I'm talking about? No, I'm not talking about coronavirus. That's a whole nother matter. I'm talking about pornography. That this stuff has infected every single facet of life and is keeping us from attaining what we're really looking for, what will really satisfy us. Now, if we do, we wanna take this conversation today and we wanna connect it with specifically the coronavirus C-19 pandemic that's been going on. Because as we know, everybody who's been somewhat, a, uh, not comatose for the past uh, past year at least, know that this has impacted so many different aspects of life. The, the, the C-19 lockdowns, for instance, right? We find that with these, um, and, and various studies have shown actually that those have not been helpful at all, but even more has led to a lack of hope, a radical increase in suicides and drug use, and this isolation, and to, again, nature abhors a vacuum. And so if you replace, if you take something away, something has to fill that gap. And what we've found is there's been a radical increase use in pornography. In and what we found is in the beginning of the you know, C nineteen um, explosion or media explosion or fear explosion on this, we have seen that the for instance there on on the if you remember the early cruise liners they were offering for for those who were quarantined on cruise liners they were offering them free pornography there. We know in Italy when that was in I think it was May or June they were offering uh, one of the major porn companies who won't be named here, was offering free pornography for everybody in Italy, which is actually incredible. It's a really smart business practice, if you think, because I'm giving a little bit away here. And if you know anything about how um, radically pornography can get somebody hooked, um, that's a great way to bring in new customers because you get them hooked here when they're bored, they never were into pornography before, perhaps. And um, and now um, once that lockdown's there well you know what I kind of liked being uh, in pornville so they're doing that And what we find is this is continuing even now almost a year later and there's an um, they actually uh, from nature.com and we'll throw up the link uh, after afterwards on the on the, on the uh, the notes show note for notes for this. And just reading from this article, we analyzed every search trend on Google from uh, January 9th, 2020 to May 25th, 2020 using joint point regression analysis. And by the way, I'm not a statistician. Um, I don't think anybody on team is a statistician here. Um, But uh, so stick with me. Comparison of weak relative search volume and temporal patterns were analyzed to assess the change of interest in search terms during national lockdowns. During um, paired t-test was used to compare WRSV values among the porn websites during the national lockdowns and the equivalent time span of the weeks in the previous four years. The research trend of almost every keyword increased with significant inflection points for those nations with straight stay-at-home orders. They specifically mentioned China, Italy, Spain, and France. Pornhub and porn showed the highest increase of interest worldwide with an average weekend percentage change of 4.9 and 3.8. So it means it's increasing 4.9% and 3.8% respectively. The mean WRSV for keywords in USA and Sweden did not show a similar increase as the other nations. So you're finding they're doing a direct uh, correlative uh, comparison between lockdown nations and those that are not. Um, The uh, WRSV percentage change with the historical data had a peak during the straight nations lockdowns. All the nations had a significant increase in WRSV coronavirus-themed pornography for each keyword, with an AWPC ranging worldwide between 18.5 and 61.8, and I believe that has to do with the age here. Right, that's what's the radical increase that's going on after the beginning of self quarantine. As strengths, this study uses a big data technology to collect worldwide trend of interest. However, data are anonymous and do not allow analysis of subpopulation groups. In conclusion, we demonstrated an increased interest in pornography and coronavirus themed pornography after the outbreak of COVID 19 in nations with a straight stay at home orders. So, we're seeing a direct correlation of those are locked inside, maybe bored, right? Netflix isn't enough. And then to go searching for different things in, in a big way. And I do personally remember I was working on my lawn, uh, uh, early, uh, into the quote unquote pandemic with C-19 and a friend of mine who had helped, uh, to deliver some dirt. She has a giant pickup truck, um, and so let, let us use the pickup truck very, very graciously for our family. And she talked about how she's living in an apartment complex. She's out talking to, to a couple of friends. Another guy comes out, and I don't, I guess this was in the afternoon and said, Well, I've been inside for eight hours looking at images. I, I should probably should get outside to do something else. Right. So, this is radically affecting and being present in many ways. And, and what we're finding here is this isn't just adults, right? So many kids, right, had had moved, had moved indoors, and um, had schooling was was forced indoors. Some some families are still forced to, in various states in the US, are still forced to have to, to use online technology for school. And the parents are working, right? The parents can't be fully on on, on involved there. And, and we absolutely know. That while while maybe they have the Zoom link up or another uh, technology up, they're off surfing other areas, right? And and one of the quotes, uh, Sher- Shelly Levin, who talked about for years, had been dealing with, um, had been dealing with doing the uh, uh, working with an um, awareness of the dangers of pornography. Um, she said this is a couple of years ago. Said the largest group for viewing online pornography is ages 12 to 17. So basically we have a whole generation of children becoming porn addicts who will one day become our politicians and leaders. So there's real genuine consequences. And this is obviously a quote way before the very uh, idea of lockdown, even self-imposed quarantines are coming in here. So we're basically forming a generate, we're further forming a generation of children who are believing that what they're seeing on these screens is real. And we've already had trouble, I mean, because remember, a child's brain doesn't fully develop until their mid twenties. Okay, and so we're we're being formed by the idea that what's shown in pornography is real, and this is a, this is infecting their idea, their ability, uh, their 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 ability to relate with others, to form healthy friendships, to form romantic relationships, and and God forbid if they bring pornography into a marriage, what that's going to do there. So. Um, And we've, we've exacerbated this whole problem for you who are parents who are hearing this, right? This is a a call to arms, a call to sound the alarm on this. And then one of the last, one other one here um, that we want, I want to draw out here before we break up into a, break it out into a discussion with our entire team is um, this is from a, um, a website called StudyFinds.org, and by the way, this more I want to I want to say this with a grain of salt. It more read like a um, like like a commercial for an organization, okay? But I want to make it clear they did a poll. This organization known as Lube Life. Um, it's a very uh, upstanding organization. Uh, tongue and tongue furly planted in cheek when I say that. Um, And a poll of 2005, single and unabashed Americans find three in 10 are masturbating more than once a day. However, only 14% are doing it just once a day. Self-pleasure has been an an uptick since March 2020, with nearly half of respondents, that's 48%, admitting to doing it more frequently than ever before as a result of their isolation. Conducted by one poll, um, the survey aimed to see how COVID has affected the sex lives for singles. Researchers discovered over a quarter that says 26% say they are also watching more porn during the pandemic. Unfortunately, 59% of those singles say they don't foresee breaking their dry spell anytime soon even if the pandemic went away. One in 10 of those looking to extend their dry spell in a post-COVID world intend to do so because they prefer masturbating over sex now. And so if you're looking a way to uh, destroy the human race look no further than pornography, right? And we have we have the idea, it takes it takes work. Take from the essence, one of the things we say in freedom coaching is that of um, masculinity takes courage. It takes courage, a certain depth to self to approach a woman to introduce yourself and say, hey, I'd be interested to get to know you. Can we go get a cup of coffee? And now what we find is even further, right? And we've already had trouble, right? With technology coming in and we're using technology right now. So we'll make it very clear technology is good. But we've been having this hindrance of entering to real relationships with technology. And now we're forming even more people. And this is obviously a self-selected study Right? So I don't know how biased it is here uh, in a certain sense. So again, take this with a grain of salt. But we do know that there's been a radical increase in use of, uh, in use of pornography since this quote-unquote pandemic that's been going on. And we like to say this is the real pandemic because we don't know what's gonna come after this. We don't know the, the 10, 15 years from now how this is gonna inhibit the way in which people are entering into real relationships. But we do know that pornography is anything but good. Pornography is, is, we like to say pornography is for posers. It does not educate us in the truth about relationships, the truth about human sexuality, um, and and where we've reduced it merely to a pursuit of pleasure, a pursuit of ourself, rather than a pursuit in how I can serve and give myself to the other. And when we have uh, an entire generation or generations of people doing this you're looking for you're looking at a radical breakdown of intimacy and whereas before right before this so many people were still were already having problems with a stat, finding someone finding healthy relationships people to relate to somebody i can go and share my entire life with in in marriage now even further we're finding that people are even more isolated and to feed that isolation they're getting into something that can't actually satisfy. So with that, what I want to do is I want to open up to our team, and we have we have with us Mr. Christopher Chen, Mr. Christopher Ricketts, and Mr. Steve Motel, who, if you've been following this podcast, he's a new addition to our team, and we're going to get to his story a little bit later. But gentlemen, just from what has been shared here, your initial salvo thoughts, and we'll banter around here a little bit.
2: Well, you were throwing out some crazy statistics, Steve. Hi, this is Chris Ricketts, by the way. Um, so, and I'll I'll throw another one at you of that of that eighteen and under group that's viewing pornography. I recently saw a statistic that twenty percent of that group is ten years old or younger. So we have this group, this group of children who have barely even started puberty yet being exposed to such a thing, to these graphic, um, hardcore pornography and they are absolutely not capable of processing or understanding or, uh, emotionally ordering any of that. And this is what's our children are being exposed to. So I'd say definitely parents. Um, if you don't talk to your kids about these things, something or someone else
1: will, absolutely. Yeah. And I think also adding to that, Ricketts, that's a very good point. Um, The fact that I think many parents somewhat are unaware, just take one example, building on that, right? Some parents are concerned about their kids, what they're watching and they lock down everything. But are you aware of their friends' media habits? Are you aware of the friends' parents' media habits? How do they view this thing? Especially as you get into teenage years and they have phones, right? You might lock down your kids' phone, but what about their kids or the, the, the kids in their high school, right? And, and especially if maybe there's a difficulty going on in those relationships, a relationship between parent and child. Um, they they hate their their or they're they're very they find the restrictions repugnant. So that's fine. I won't, I won't fight that here at home. I'll just borrow my friend's phone, right? Something here clearly to be aware of.
3: Yeah, Steve. Great point. This is Steve Motel. Thanks for the invitation to jump in with you guys today. Um, just two points to what you were just saying there, Steve. I think, you know, one thing I've got, I've got five kids, and and um, you know, ranging from still teens on up to young adults. And one thing we've talked about is the fact that you know our job as as dads is is to is to really you know, among many things, obviously is to protect the home and to protect what comes in and all that. Um, and when we were growing up, you know when I was growing up anyway, I'm considerably older than you guys. When I was growing up, we didn't have social media. I didn't have like, like cable was a big thing when we got that in college, you know, like we didn't have that though. So now like you look at text, even just texting or instant messaging, I call them like hand grenades that get thrown over the wall that I've erected. You know, like I I put up a wall and, and they still get tossed in. So like there's still so much that that's still trying to kind of penetrate. You know, and get into the into our home and get into the um, the minds of our kids before we were ready to even you know teach them about that, whatever it might be. And then the other, and so we got to really, really be smart about this the way we approach it, and we got to be really careful too as parents and not like you know, like make the fatal mistake that I made when I was younger. And we probably all did of overreacting. And then the kids panic and they think they can't talk to you about anything. So you want to create a home where obviously all this can be discussed and open. But just to stay on that point about the other f- friends, I've been amazed and even just in a little bit of work that I started to do with you guys with Freedom Coaching and talking to the clients for how many times the story is told where their first exposure was not was not in their own environment. It was a friend it was an older cousin you know it was someone else and so um this idea of of um you know of of not only protecting the the kids our our own children but also you know educating them to what what else is out there they might encounter and experience you know we want to get to a point and it's a challenge we get to a point where when our kids leave the home like they shouldn't be shocked by anything because we we've educated and taught them at home but we don't have we don't have control, obviously, once they're out of the house. And so your point, Steve, and, and Chris, what you're saying about like under 10, it's it's mind blowing. And we we have to find ways obviously to make sure they're prepared when they leave the home and they're with the kid on the street or their older cousin or whatever that they they can they can discern this stuff. It's tough for them, no question about it. But I'd like to I'd like to hear more um, you know, obviously where you're going. And I know that we can we could talk more about how. The principles of freedom coaching and theology going play into this, but but just just the topic of just working with your kids and teaching them to to be on guard, you know, educating them in their own way, so because they're not always going to be with them, you know. So, absolutely, absolutely, Mr. Chen,
4: you got anything to add to that? I do. Some some thoughts that I've noticed during this pandemic, especially with the Catholic churches that have been locked down. We know that's. A hospital for sinners, but when it's locked down, where do we go for healing? We don't get to go every week. And so with these lockdowns, they still offer confession, but they're strictly by appointment, which is another obstacle in getting healings. And many of us don't want the priest to know that we're on the other side. What, What has happened during this pandemic is that many of us are really locked into our electronic devices, and the septic tech just continues to get bigger and bigger, and then it makes us want to yearn and long. And lust for more when we see these pornified images and videos. And what does this do? Is, is that while some of us have used this time to become, you know, closer to God, many others have become even more disconnected from the church. As our life, our lives are severely interrupted, and all we're focused on is, oh, when can we get back to normal? Versus prioritizing this time to seek out God. And we know that when we go to church, we hear these homilies. We don't usually hear the priests talk about pornography and i personally think that this would have been the time for priests to talk about this during these virtual masses that are being live streamed they're not talking to anyone in person they can freely share about this topic without anyone having to question them right after the fact and i'm really close with the a bishop. his name is uh, his excellency bishop stephen jensen is part of the diocese in prince georgia he shared something with me this past week that really resonated that the devil goes after the best people. And you're talking about the priests, practicing Catholics. He goes after them with all the temptations. He already has the weak in his grasp already. So when he has the best people, you know, the devil has them firmly in his sights, and he's getting them to, to lust and to sin and to fall into the slips with pornography. Where does that really leave, a, leave society if the leaders are also stuck? with this trap with pornography that they can't get out of. And these are the, some of the smartest individuals that we have in the society that are just not in tune with their emotions. Hence they don't understand why they just keep falling, falling back into this this trap here.
1: And thank you for sharing this, Mr. Chen, because the issue of obviously our podcast, the Redeem Vision podcast, is especially starting out with Catholics, right? We believe that if you get Catholics on board, uh, with living uh living a uh, sexually integrated life we were able to heal so much of the wounds of the world right and this is not exclusive to catholics but it's important that we we get this here and i think uh, along the lines and a lot of people don't like to talk about this is there's a there's a good number of clergy that are involved with pornography themselves and this is not a call for us to um to say that that we should not listen to the clergy at, at all. All of us are hypocrites, right? But it's a call whatever to, for us to be honest and authentic and to go to healing here. We ultimately believe that Jesus Christ has a solution for every problem on the world in the world. and that any of the problems in the world are ultimately spiritual have a spiritual root. And when you can get to the root of that, you can heal that, right? But this, But this isn't simply for, for anybody who's had an issue with pornography in life, they know that simply going to confession or receiving the Eucharist or engaging the sacraments, which while very, very important for the life of a Catholic, um, that, that sometimes can intensify the struggle there, right? There has to be deep healing here. There's, there's wounds of the past that have to happen. That's why like with the work we're doing with, in freedom coaching in, in the, in our beginning stage, stage one, we call it reintegration. We work with the history so there can be healing those things, right? So this is a call, what we're discussing here for for today. And to put a little bow on this conversation for the moment um, is it's all hands on deck. It's something that's radically affecting us in many ways. And if you think this is not going to affect you, well, then maybe you haven't been paying attention. Maybe you're part of the problem, right. which means you need to get healing. Or maybe you're simply ignorant of this. It's, it's all over the place. And it's not a call to fear, but to realize we've got to do things about it, right? Here at the Redeemed Vision podcast, we want to propose genuine solutions. It's not just the problem, right? I mean, so a basic basic starting point obviously has to do with technology. We need to learn not to avoid technology, but to learn how to use technology well. And so for just for example, recently the Utah Senate and maybe at the time of this recording, the entire bill will be be passed, passed the entire um, you know, house and then signed into the law by the governor of Utah. That it was a it's a bill that automatically would block pornography on devices that are sold in the state. Now, again, whether this will stand or fall, we don't know, but it's a great starting point. But if you think for one moment, that's simply about um, stopping what's coming in. We got to realize this stuff is way too powerful. There has to be a transformation of mind, heart, and vision. This is critically important. So we get to a point, and we can, and all of us on this podcast, and hundreds of other uh, others who have come into contact with Freedom Coaching, are living this as well. That we don't desire this stuff. We don't desire to look with lust, and it's a big, big deal, uh, life changer that comes in there. So, with that said. We're going to switch over to our fantastic Mr. Ricketts today, who has something important to share with all of you.
2: You know, I recently went to the paint store to get thinner and it didn't work. Oh man. Don't you hate it when that happens? I do hate it when that happens.
1: Do you know that I once worked for an orange juice company? You know what happened?
3: They gave me the squeeze.
1: Yeah, and I got canned. (laughs) Do you know why? I couldn't concentrate. See? There Mm. it is. (laughs) Yes. And, And we're saying these, we say this after the main message so that you don't leave us, my dear friends out there. So, what we're going to do, we're going to turn it over now to Miss Johanny, Miss Leah Johanny, who is uh, the fairer sex of our group, who is going to guide us through uh, the, our Theology of the Body moment. So, now we're going to turn our attention over to our next segment in the Redeemed Vision podcast to our Theology of the Body corner. And without further ado, Ms. Leah Johanny.
0: Thanks, Steve. I'm going to um, read today from the general audience of October 24th, 1979. Uh, It is audience number six, section two. The concept of original solitude includes both self-consciousness and self-determination. The fact that man is alone contains within itself this ontological structure. And at the same time, it indicates authentic understanding. Without this, we cannot correctly understand the next words, which constitute the prelude to the creation of the first woman, I want to make a help. Above all, however, without that deep meaning of man's original solitude, one cannot understand and correctly interpret the whole situation of man created in the image of God, which is the situation of the first, in fact, primeval covenant with God. So I know we were talking um, about the pandemic time period and how much people are being isolated. And in that isolation, it's, there's a lot of uh, that separation and um, leading to the difficulty of fulfilling our base desires and things like that. Um, because we have, in a sense, lost this idea of understanding what that solitude even is and then understanding the purpose of that. So what in this quote, I think what we pull out that's so important is understanding that the original solitude of man before woman was even created was this time period when he could recognize himself as a human being distinct from all the other creatures and with a superiority to them. And in this very particular aspects of creation, he starts recognizing how like he is to God. And it is that he created in his image and likeness, his reason, free will, or what set mankind apart from all the other creations of god so it's in his original solitude that man recognizes these aspects of who am i and what am i ordered toward and being made in the image of god we reflect as a creation we reflect back the creator so we start to realize that when we start looking at ourselves in that solitude and the desire for union with god is first and foremost And it is in that realization that we then fully realize that we are created for union with another. And it is the intimacy of the man and woman and their union that best reflects the intimacy of the union with God in this life. So we desire communion and true intimacy with others. But the fact that we can look deeper and realize that there is an intimate union between myself and God and how he created me unique and in his image and likeness and is drawing me ever to him is where we need to start especially in our time period where there is more isolation we can start there to start developing that intimacy with god and then that helps to strengthen us and strengthen our faith and begin to break from those bonds of what's going on in our world today and this the fear and the scare and all these things that are pushing us into more of a depression rather than an eye-opening and uh, uh, awakening to greater uh, faith and love and then it is in that, that we can start sharing it more and more with others and stepping out, even in a difficult time period.
1: Beautiful, beautiful reflection, uh, Leah, and um, powerful words and, and reflection, obviously coming from, from John Paul. And I just, just, two thoughts that strike me as you're talking, you, in, in that quote from John Paul, um, the, I'd like to say the fifty theological word, ontological, okay, I'm from the <laughs> The, Saint, the John Paul II Institute for Marriage and Family Studies. And um, if that word didn't come up in one of our conversations, then clearly we were not at the Institute. And for uh, those hearing this podcast, the word ontological is being, okay? The being essence. And this this notion of, of being, we are, we, the, the big B, okay? there's big B and small B. So you have the the, the being that is God, and then our small b is any any being that participates in that life. So anything that has life comes from the big B. So that's us, right? We ha- we have this whole thing, and and Leah, like your reflection here, really important that we are an essential to the creation and to the ontology of God is relation. It's relationship. God is not simply one; he is also three. This is essential. As Christian, we believe in Trinity, but that was one in three, and it's, it's a union. It's a union, but also in sharing that unity. And that that whole notion, especially bringing into what's going on with the pandemic, critically important because of um, we're, we're feeling cut off. We're feeling alone. We And this is where that ache, that yearning comes in. And, the, and that ache and yearning, by the way, is like a, a homing pigeon if we follow that to the fulfillment of that. And it's ultimately to reach out to others. And then that brings to the second point that you that was um that you mentioned, and that was mentioned from the quote was that of the helpmate, of finding the helpmate. helpmate. Well, from the um, the Hebrew, the term is here's another dollar fifty term for everyone, is Ezar connecto. Okay, it sounds like a superhero name. I am the Ezar connecto, right? In a certain sense, Eve was the superhero for Adam. Okay, and not just so much the superhero, but um, actually savior. Because we translate Ezar Konegdo as as helpmate in English, but more the correct correct translation is savior. And that um, Eve literally saves his life. And this is not to replace the savior, Jesus Christ, but it's to say here, the other brings us out of ourself. So there was a, um, a French philosopher um, who, um, there's a lot of French philosophers. Uh, you had Descartes, and then you have also um, one um, whose name is actually evading me at this point, which I'll probably remember in a moment, um, is that it was basically saying that um, hell is the other. Okay, that was his vision, that other people are the problem. No, hell is not the other. Hell is utter isolation, right? and that's and that's what we find here if any descriptions of hell is being locked in is as everybody for themselves. And this is exactly what our culture what the pornified culture is trying to say that it's all about my own pleasure, what I can get. What can what uh, what can uh, the iPhone, the iPad um or some of our other advertising uh, UPS what can brown do for you? And the isolation locks us in. And so we need to open ourselves to another to, in fact, let others in to maybe, just maybe, it sounds strange
3: a little bit, to save our
1: lives by bringing us alive.
3: Yeah, I think I mean, this is obviously just a very central and beautiful teaching. And uh, thank you, Lee, for bringing this to light today. I, I You know, um, the reality, the connection between original solitude and obviously what we're going through with the pandemic is unmistakable. And I love the fact that, um, you know, Steve used the term homing pony, pony pigeon. And the reality is like, that's obviously, you know, we get tripped up so far along the way. We're all, everybody, like the whole, every single human person realized or not realized is searching to get back to the father. And, and, it, and if it's unrealized, then, then it's easy to get tripped up along the way and stop at all of the, the idols. and, so this bringing light to this, uh, Leah, like you're doing with the reality of solitude, it reminds us again. I think, as J.P. 2 would have said, that you know God Himself was not was not a solitude. He was he, he is an internal communion, like this internal communion of three divine persons, and and how we as as men and women we're, we we only become the the you know an image of God in the moment, not in the moment of solitude, but in the moment of communion. And I think he would even go further and say, not just not just communion, but like fruitful communion. So, and that means again, through our relationships, the way we love him and interact with the Lord and, and with others and how we give life um, in those relationships. So this is a very timely and important message for today because we, in the work that we're doing, the Freedom Coaching, I think we know as well as anybody, what, what's happening and can happen when people feel solitude, and don't know what to do with it. So, so, thank you for bringing light to this today.
4: I think with a lot of individuals, myself included, we, we tend not to ever prefer to be in silence. And because of that, it's always gonna be a lot more difficult if near impossible to hear God's message when he's trying to speak to us. So you think about when we're, when we're driving and you know, how often we prefer to have music or news or a podcast on versus driving in silence or prayer. I'm definitely guilty of that, although it's it's improving. But it's I think a lot of us could stand to prefer being in silence. But what to do with that silence? You know, we prefer social media, go on YouTube, watch Netflix, some sort of distraction that kind of triggers some emotion, any emotion other than being in silence, and we feel bored and and perhaps some loneliness, and and from that, you know, it, this pornified culture is. Kind of led us to what we have today, this this porn pandemic. So imagine a society where we all practice and reintegrating and aligning ourselves with with God's vision through prayer and in silence. Just what kind of world we would be living in right now?
1: Your words are painful, Mister Chen, uh, because they tap into the reality of our culture here, and I think we're at the deep root of of what we. We want we want connection, but we especially want to know ourselves. We want to know who we are, where we are called to, um, how we're called to live our life, how we're called to love ultimately. And when we're locked in, and especially exterior forces, right? We talk about this, you know, the the, the pandemic of of C nineteen, and then with the pornography pan- pandemic being added on top of that. This further isolates and first and what it does, it keeps us from our heart, the core of who we are. So I think the the calling for all of us here is perhaps, and let's let's use it as a, a challenge, as Mr. Chen is rightly elicited, to turn off, try one time this week to turn off your car. Excuse me, turn off the radio in your car right? To drive in silence or, or if you don't, you know, you don't, maybe you don't take a vehicle, um, but to spend five minutes in silence and to getting in touch with where your heart is. And what ends up happening is through history here, if, if we, if we stay in that moment, we actually start to long for more of the silence, right? And I think this is critically uh, important in a world that is trying to keep us distracted. And then, then coupling in here, Um, with with pornography, with shame entering in there. And we can say here that focus is the enemy of shame as a book known as The Soul of Shame elucidates here. So critically important that, you know, to to be focused upon what is most important for us so that we can go and be who we truly are. And now I wanna share a little bit about a new member of our team, Mr. Steve Motel, who uh, hails from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, who just want to get him to share a little bit of his story of how he's come in contact with Freedom Coaching uh, and share a little bit about why this work is so important uh, to to him. So, Steve, welcome to the Redeem Vision Podcast.
3: Steve, thanks for uh, thanks for the invitation. It's just an incredible joy and honor to to be. A small part of your team um i've be, become a big fan of the work that you and your team are doing and just really overjoyed to be part of this now um it's certainly not the work that i or probably any of us ever envisioned ourselves doing but it just uh, further proof that god exists and is on the throne and and fortunately i'm not um because he's the one that's been guiding and, and has had his hand on my life at every turn um You know, I I grew up a nominal Sunday Catholic. My parents were great. They did the best that they could. Um, We went to Mass on every Sunday, you know, um, and uh, I I went away to a very secular school, University of Florida, and go Gators. And um, I think I probably missed Mass five times in the four and a half years that I was there. But I was at every frat party the night before and saw the fraternity guys at, at Mass the next night. Um, They had a nine o'clock Sunday mass, nine o'clock dinner's mass, nine o'clock, because that was the one that we got exactly like like most college campuses. Um, Remember it well. And, um, you know, but by the grace of God and and our blessed mother, for sure, I managed to get through. Um, And uh, I have no idea how I graduated, but I did got a degree in journalism and communications. I was going to produce films. That was my that was my vision and passion and goal was to was to produce movies. And I I started doing some of that in Florida. We lived in Florida at the time, uh, grew up in Clearwater. And, uh, you know, it was great. I I got connected with a lot of people, um, was doing, working on secular films, working in the the, the film industry through my, I I call it a conspiracy between my mother, uh, the Blessed Mother, and another woman who's an EWTN personality. Um, she was going to our parish and she was asked to do a show for EWTN, didn't have any experience doing TV. My mom was looking for any way to get me out of the, uh, the, the, um, the film industry and said, oh, my son can help you. And I'm like, mom, I don't want to do Catholic stuff. You know, I want to do secular movies, you know, but okay, fine. I'll give her some free help, whatever. I ended up with her for 15 years. I produced, um, I produced uh, like over 300 television programs that aired on EWTN, probably a thousand live radio programs. I produced the engineer for EWTN. Um, it was really during that time that I had a very unexpected, very slow, but very unexpected conversion or reversion really deeper into the faith. was exposed to so many incredible people, so much great theology. Um, you know, I got to go to EWTN many times a year and, and work with the, you know, with the best of the best. And through that, I met other people. I uh, ended up meeting Christopher West, and it was the first time I was exposed to the theology of the body. And I thought I was a pretty good Catholic at that time. And I was like, like everybody, I was like, oh my gosh, how come I never knew this? This is incredible. Because I was like, probably like most guys, I was trying. I had a, a fair understanding of what it meant to, you know, to 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 love and to and to treat women with respect and all of that. But but I had no idea to the, to the limits that I was treating others as objects, objectifying other people, um, not just for sex, but certainly for that, but for other, any reason, um, until I encountered the theology of the body back in probably 2006, and um, had my mind blown to the reality of what truly, what love is versus lust, and the battle in my heart, and all the amazing things that Christopher, um you know, spoon-fed me through, through the, through uh, John Paul II, and um it just radically changed my life. I mean, it radically um changed my marriage uh we had a good marriage took our marriage to a to a great marriage we we started becoming students my wife and i of the theology of the body we were probably married 15 years at that point we're now we're now just past 30 30 years of marriage um and i'm really grateful that i encountered theology of the body when my kids or oldest kids were still very young because it changed the dynamic of our home it changed the way in which we spoke at home um, it changed the way in which we taught our children um, because it gave us language um, to not fear um, lust, to not fear sin, to not fear the temptation, but it gave us the language to be able to, to, to be in that battle um, and to know that truly Christ has the victory um, and we have the means at our disposal through the sacraments and the teachings of the church and you know, to be able to, to to live a life set apart and that was the biggest challenge. Like, oh my goodness, it like to live this life. We're really setting ourselves apart from the way the rest of the world lives. And, and that was kind of a scary thing. And then you realize, yeah, but that's the only way the only way. And then and then and then you have to integrate yourself and realize, OK, but I can't just I can't take do the home, typical homeschool early homeschool mentality of like, let's head for the hills and hide from the world either. It's like, no, 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 we have to be set apart, but we have to stand with the world. I can be a be a witness. And so then we started realizing, no, I can't raise my kids to escape the world. I have to raise them to go be lights in the world. You know, and and the theology of the body really just gave us the language to do that, and gave that. My my girls I ended up going; three of them ended up going to Franciscan University of Steubenville. They three of them ended up being interns with Christopher West of theology of the body institute. So, so this theology of the body has permeated our family life, um, and has has really really continued to 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 be like the, a consistent factor throughout my adult life. It led me into my work at Ascension, where I was at Ascension Press, where I was producing programs with Christopher for Ascension and um, all, all through the lens of the Theology of the Body Um, That led me to work with the culture project where I was mentoring young adults. And and honestly, all of a sudden during the pandemic, I think like so many other people, light bulbs were going off like, okay, I've got I'm not commuting two hours anymore. I'm working from home. What can I do? I started looking into the idea, long story short, uh, looking into coaching. That's how I met Steve Bacorny, which has changed my life because I I, um, wanted to coach young people. Um, I wanted to work with men. I wanted to help them become better husbands and fathers. Um, but Steve opened my eyes to the reality that, that pornography is like that. Is, this is the pandemic. Like this is the pandemic. And so many men, more than we more than we care to admit or acknowledge, um, are wrestling with this. Um, and the work of Freedom Coaching um, is speaks to my heart because it, it, it rescues men and therefore marriages um, from the chains and the bondage that the enemy has trapped for them set as a trap for them with pornography and it, it sets them free um and what i, I what greater work um could we possibly be engaged in than being the hands and the feet of the of the lord um helping people who have truly come to a point of desiring uh freedom you know it's 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 incredible Amen. And, and just in my short time seeing light bulbs go off seeing um and hearing glory stories of how it's impacting um, their marriages and how it's setting them free um, is a beautiful, beautiful thing. So, so again, theology of the body um, has been tremendous. I'm grateful to Steve. I'm grateful to you and, and the freedom coaching. um grateful to be a part of it. And, and it's um, and I, I just can't help but feel like we're only getting started. Uh, I feel like I would love our listeners to pray for not only pray for our work, pray for our protection, pray for protection for our marriages and our, and our own family as we do this work, but also pray for the men and women who are uh, trapped in this, in, this um, in the chain of pornography, but have not had the courage yet to reach out for help. Um, because the sad truth is we know um, we know they're there. Um, and, and, and freedom coaching is a, is a beautiful opportunity for them to be set free. So So pray they reach out and uh, and grateful for all that. Great awesome. Prayers. Awesome. Steve, thank you for sharing with, uh, with
1: us here today. You certainly are a tremendous asset to the work that we are doing at Freedom Coaching. You're a voice of wisdom. And like all of us, we are a voice in the wilderness in this uh, the, the heresy of our day is a sexual heresy. First, as a noun for who we are many of us don't know who we are and then and don't realize the greatness of who we are as created as male and female in the image of God and moving from here the fact that we are um, we are called also to then from the verb to live out our sexuality as gift right so you obviously as a witness in your marriage with your with your beautiful wife and and your many children but also to want to give this back here to those who are seeking genuine freedom. So Mm -hmm. with that said, we're going to switch here very quickly to our last part of our our time here and to share a little bit of our our moment of gratitude. So something we are grateful for, and we we do this here on the Redeem Vision podcast, because gratitude is the way you basically obliterate what we call blasted, bored, lonely, hungry, angry, stressed, tired, turned on, um, uh, emotionally spent, and depressed. Okay. Or overwhelmed, shall we say that? Right. So bringing gratitude in is a huge thing. So, uh, who here of gentlemen would like to go first?
2: I am grateful for the crosses and the struggles and all of the, you know, terrible things, I I guess, in. that I've gone through because I know God redeems everything and he pulls us out of it and can bring light from the dark. And so I am grateful to him for all of the miracles that he's worked in my life, despite all my efforts to sabotage it.
0: (laughs) Amen. I am grateful for God's love and mercy and how his plan always works out even when we don't see it. Um, most especially, I'm grateful for my fiance.
1: Amen and congratulations. Yes, and so if you can actually keep Miss, uh, Miss Johanny in prayer that she and her, her fiance, they are preparing for uh, blessed nuptials uh, coming in the
3: future. I'm, I'm grateful for, there's so many things. I'm grateful for, I am grateful for the theology of the body because it gave me, it animated my faith animate in my life. And it gave me a new um, a new way to look at myself, God, the Father, others. It made redemption real that Ricketts just was talking about. It made freedom real. So I just think so many of the things that I'm grateful for have actually been manifested through my um, encounter with and living with the theology of the body. So I'm grateful for the theology of the body today.
4: Beautiful. I am... Grateful for this freedom that I'm living today as someone who has been sucked in the septic tech and the pornified culture for my entire life, like the rest of us. But I see this freedom as a means to evangelize others, especially when I look at other women that I do not objectify them and that I treat them, the dignity as God's children made in the image and likeness like the rest of us. And that has genuinely produced more fruitful relationships with not only with females, but with also with my male friends that has led me to a much more peace within myself. So I don't feel those blasted emotions anymore.
1: Or, or maybe
4: know what to do with
1: those blasted emotions when they come up, which is good. right? And for me, I want to build on what Ricketts has said. Um, I am grateful that nothing is wasted in the economy of salvation, God finds the little things in our life from years ago, if we will surrender to the cross to truly redeem it. Little experiences that we've gone through, the uh, being being let go from positions and jobs, for relationships, uh, not working out, all of those things have helped to form me as the man that I am. And if I continue to surrender those to the cross, he continues to bring redemption and goodness from that. And that's what we want to share here at the Redeemed Vision podcast, that your life truly has value. Your life truly has worth here, that what you do does not define you, that you were defined by the father's love for you. And to paraphrase St. John Paul, the greats, right? Phrase from World Youth Day in Toronto many years ago in 2002. We are not the sum total of our mistakes and failures, but we are the sum total of our father's love for us and the capacity to become more like the image of his son. And this is critically important here as we realize that this pandemic of pornography is decimating so many different lifestyles and lives, but we are never outside of hope. Bring this to Jesus Christ, allow him to heal it. And if we at Freedom Coaching can be of assistance to that, Please drop us a line. We'd be honored to connect with you. So for all of us at the Redeemed Vision Podcast, I'm Steve Bacorny, and until next time.
0: The Redeemed Vision Podcast is an outreach of freedom coaching. To learn more, check out freedom-coaching.net and follow us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and YouTube.